That is the craziest music I think I've ever heard. Uh, what's... Uh... <laughs> even know what to say i don't even know if there's anything that i can uh, kind of connect that to uh certainly not this podcast uh <laughs> can you can you tell me uh where what the drill is with that well that's uh once again mike noah i'm really liking his music and that is one more try yeah i think i may be uh ordering the mike noah uh album pretty soon or, or cd or i guess itunes digital collection Ooh. <laughs> Uh, anyway, uh, welcome to the third episode of So There's That, the podcast. I am Didge, your host, guide, and sometimes provocateur. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dante is staring at his mic rather oddly. And, For a uh, moment, I was worried it wasn't turned on. We're all good. Uh, anyway, well, this is Dante. This is uh, my sidekick and co-host. Uh, so, Dante, good week? Uh, yeah, good week. I'm a few weeks away from graduating, so it's been busy, but last Friday was prom, which I didn't go to in uh, favor of hanging out with friends uh, after a failed attempt at laser tag, uh, and then we went but to after wait, prom. wait, hang on, laser tag, not just traditional laser tag, you were going to get all dressed up. Oh yeah, we we're going we to get like all up in formal stuff and go to laser tag and and do that for a few hours. And I'm sure there would be no concerns about deposits on your on your tux or or any other clothing people might be wearing. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't thought. We didn't get that far. <laughs> so that was the original plan, but you ended up not doing it. Yeah, we ended up just kind of hanging out and yeah, just hanging out and then uh went to after prom, which is an event that the school hosts to keep teenagers from going to parties with alcohol and and, and basically drugs. doing things that i did when i was in prom exactly okay uh and yeah th so that was fun went till four in the morning uh yeah perhaps four thirty when i picked you up well yeah i i think i'd fallen asleep on the couch uh but had my phone in, in my hand waiting waiting for your text uh yeah i, I uh got it drags me back to my prom my senior prom, uh, we had the Hooters play our prom. Now, I know you don't know who the Hooters are. I know you've been really polite right now. And even though you didn't say anything, he sort of gave you a look like, oh, wow, that's so terrific. The Hooters, really? Who'd have thunk the Hooters would have played your prom? The Hooters were a Philadelphia band. And uh, it was the only prom they ever played. I have no idea how we ended up getting them. But they... Um, they were very popular at the time. Uh, they, uh, they were known for All You Zombies. Okay. Day by Day? Uh, the Godspell song? <laughs> no, not the Godspell song. <laughs> They're a little younger than that. Different version. I'll have to play it for you. And We Danced? No? Okay. And Time After Time, which they wrote for Cindy Lauper? Oh, I know that one. There you go. So a little bit. Uh, yeah, so uh, the... the um, the Hooters played my prom, and that was probably the the uh, the high spot. We we probably should have played laser tag. I don't even know if we had laser tag back then in the in the eighties. I don't know when laser tag was invented. That's a good question. I mean, I feel like Doctor e Evil right now with lasers. I feel like lasers laser and, and like smoke machines would have been popular in the eighties. Smoke machines definitely, but I don't know about laser tag. I mean, yeah. we had lasers. We had lasers. For those of you who are not watching the video podcast, I'm using my fingers. Lasers, like two bunnies talking yes. to each other. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, that's we should probably look that up for for next time. The history of laser tag in America. 
podcast episode four, history of laser tag. There you go. I, I can I can hear the subscription numbers falling, plummeting as we talk about the history of laser tag. Uh, so how was your week? Well, I, I had another fun-filled busy week. I guess the big thing for me was I... <laughs> it's a little weird for me to talk about. A little funky. Uh, so I, I've been on hormones for a while now. Not quite a year, depending upon how you count. Uh, but anyway, uh, my chest is getting a little bigger. And then it's gotten bigger. And so I went in for a bra fitting at uh, at Nordstrom's. Wow. Yeah, I um, I, so I have friends up in New York, girlfriends up in New York, and and we go out for drinks and we chat about stuff. And so that was that's been one of my topics. And so, like, when did you get your first bra? And and um, and the answer is usually that their moms took them, whether they needed to or not. It was it was time. And I guess you can say for me, it was time. I, you know, as I like to say, my, uh, my girls are growing up and, uh, it's, you know, when you're a guy and, you know, I mean, I, I wrestled in high school. I, I used to work out, did a lot of push ups. So I, you know, I have muscles, not a lot anymore, but I, you know, muscles underneath. And, uh, and as a guy, if you raise your hands up in the air, your chest disappears. It's just the way the muscles work. Uh, well, when I raise my hands up, they my chest doesn't disappear. And it's been starting to bounce a little bit when I go down the steps. So I just I just kind of realized that I probably needed to do something with this. So I so I went into Nordstrom's and uh and again, when you're transgendered and you walk into a store, especially like the bra shop at Nordstrom's, they kind of look at you like they know I'm I'm trans, but their customers aren't necessarily going to be comfortable with me going into the changing room because I'm trying on bras. So I initially went in there and the woman's like, can I help you? And I'm like, hi, <laughs> I'm transitioning and I've been on hormones for a while and my chest is starting to grow. And, you know, I think it's I think it's time for a bra. And she said, oh, okay, okay, well, look, uh, let's take you upstairs so that, and I said, look, I totally understand. I totally get it. I know that people aren't always comfortable around this. So maybe about 15 minutes goes by, I come back and, and she goes, screw it. Let's just do it in here. You know, just keep your voice down. And I'm like, yeah, good luck, honey. <laughs> My voice is not coming down. So we, uh, <laughs> she tells me to take my t-shirt off and like, my top off, which is not something I've ever done. Like no one has ever seen my chest. So that, that was a little nerve wracking. And, uh, and then, you know, she was super nice. We tried on a bunch of bras and, and, uh, <laughs> she was pretty funny because I told her, I said, look, I don't know if I need a bra yet. And, you know, I'm kind of flat chested and she's like, honey, I've seen flat chested and you are not flat chested. So it appears as if I'm sort of an A, A plus bra. I tried on a 36A, 36B, and actually picked up a couple of bras, which I've been wearing. They kind of give me shape because, again, if, if I'm not wearing a bra and I'm just wearing like a T-shirt or something, my chest doesn't quite look right because it's kind of a female chest on top of 
a male chest. And the male chest is slowly going away and the female chest is growing. But um, it's I think it's time to uh, to start wearing a bra. So anyway, that was uh, that was kind of my my uh, wow. big thing for the week. Uh, I, I guess we should just jump into what last week, I, I believe we agreed the next segment's going to be Didge's Mailbag. Yep. And I think we agreed that you and your Godspell cast were going to be doing a theme song, right, for the for the mailbag. So I was wondering, uh, can you can you play that for us? Yeah, about that. Um, unfortunately, we have been unable to make one this week. It has nothing to do with the prom or, or finals coming up, right? No, not at all. Okay, so, but we should definitely next week. Absolutely. Absolutely. Song already written, right? Yeah. Everything's sort of put together. Yep. Cool. So, so you've heard that, ladies and gentlemen. That next week, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna have a theme song for for Digi's Mailbag, the official name of the segment that that Dante told me we had to use that as a name. Yep. It's not on me. Totally I on Dante. Dante absolutely insisted. So anyway, let's jump into my mailbag. This is sounding really weird, really creepy <laughs> right now, but we're gonna jump into Digi's Mailbag. And the first one is from Mike, uh, who's in, from Gaithersburg. And it's a little long. Let me read this. He goes, I have a technical tip to keep in mind for when you and Dante want to record an episode when you're not in the same place, which we talked about last week, that Dante is going to be in Baltimore starting end of August, beginning of September. And, um, you know, and hopefully we can continue doing the podcast together. And apparently he's telling us how we can do it, because originally I mentioned, well, maybe you're going to have to take the train up all the time, uh, which isn't necessarily convenient. But he says basically it's what's called a tape sync in the biz. So apparently Mike is in the biz. What you do is you have a Skype or phone connection so you can talk normally and each person runs a recorder locally to get a good quality recording of both ends of the conversation. Afterwards, you open up each recording on a separate track and line them up so they sound like you were both in the room together. Great stuff, though, which I guess is not him praising himself, but probably praising us. Yeah. So I guess uh, so. You have um, you can start looking into tape sync. Yeah, and that's a thing that uh, that 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 we can do about that. Have have you heard? Did you hear about this before, or were you familiar with this? I I had figured there is some way to do it where we would record on both sides, but I I didn't know how. So yeah, I'll look into that. Awesome, awesome. Uh, the next letter is from Noelle Marie. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. From Mount Airy. She says, I stayed up far too late the other night reading your blog from start to finish. I think she means my blog. Oh, wow. uh, thank you. I'm enjoying the chance to tag along as you make this journey. Uh, well, thank you so much, number one, for reading the blog. And thank you, and I guess everyone else who's been sending in letters and listening, um, for following along with, with our journey. Uh, this, I mean, I, let me just speak for myself, and I'll let Dante chime in, maybe. <laughs> uh, this has been so much fun. This has been so much fun to do. So much fun to talk about, so much fun to to write about, and and knowing that other people are enjoying it uh, makes it makes it all the better. Yeah, I, I find it hard to believe that people would enjoy just me talking. And well, uh, for, for a second, I thought you were going to say my blog. I don't understand <laughs> how people could enjoy your writing and what you're talking about. I mean, I don't. That's just crazy talk. So I'm sorry, but yes, I <laughs> but I can see how people can enjoy. You've been you were so engaging in this. Um, and you're funny and, and so, well, I, I guess I should let other people compliment you or your head's going to get too big. <laughs> yeah. Just keep the comments coming. Keep the comments coming for Dante. Uh, I, on the other hand, don't need any comments. You know, I don't hear anyone. 
Well, anyway, anyway, uh, let's move on to the <laughs> to the next comment. This is from Dan, who is also in Gaithersburg. That, that's kind of odd. And his comment, are you paying people to send in comments here? Let Dante talk more. <laughs> wow. You know, that makes me think of something that I thought of last time, but... You is know, this, this like the Facebook campaign that you've put up? Let Dante talk more? Yeah, but uh, what really is in my head goes to Craig Ferguson with his assistant, the, the robot. The was... robot. I don't remember the robot's name. Yeah. But yes. Oh, no, uh, Jeff Jeff Peterson. Jeff Peterson. There we go. And someone sent in a fan mail saying, careful, Icarus. <laughs> <laughs> careful, Icarus. So yes. I'll try not to fly too close to the sun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so I actually, so speaking of, of comments, uh, last time we talked about how Eddie Izzard and Vince Gilligan were, were two of the people we wanted to have as guests on the podcast. Uh, so uh, have we heard from them yet? Uh, no, I, I think they might have lost their email or something. Okay, well, uh, Eddie and Vince, it's it's dig, D-I-G, at typingmonkeys.com. That's E-Y-S at the end. Monkeys, plural, Z-Y-S. So dig at typingmonkeys.com. So again, just drop us a line. Uh, hopefully we'll hear from you uh, in the next couple days so we can set you up for the, for the next one. Uh, I guess since I picked two people for our dream list... Maybe I should give you an opportunity to pick the next two. Awesome. Yeah. I, I have a few in mind. Um, first... Totally unrehearsed, by the way. Totally unrehearsed. <laughs> the, Dante did not know this question was coming, and, and so this is right off the top of his head. Pretty yeah. good? Pretty yeah. Good. <laughs> He's stalling, you see. Um, Lauren Faust, who is the creator of the new generation of My Little Pony. Um, I don't know if I've said it. Uh, no, I haven't. I am a brony. I watched the show. I love it. I've showed you and and made yes, we've you watch watched. It. Um, we've watched what four seasons now? Yep. I am four episodes behind. Yes. So I've watched both. They're not movies. They're TV specials. TV technically. specials. And I have to admit, it is. I really enjoy My Little Pony. In fact, I'm wearing the T-shirt right now. Twenty percent cooler. Uh. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't be showing my chest off. Anyway, I'm wearing 20% Cooler, which is a which is a line from uh, Rainbow Dash, who's who's my my favorite character. Yep, and I could go into the episode and the song that happened that episode, but I don't want to bore you all. So, well, no. we, we will. I mean, look, I think we're going to take a podcast and talk about My Little Pony, talk about bronies, talk about the sort of phenomenon uh, that is My Little Pony, because a lot of people hear about it and it just doesn't make any sense to them. And it's it's a fascinating story, uh, and and it's it's actually very. There's a documentary, yeah, which was produced by John Delancey. John Delancey, who people probably know as Q from uh, Star Trek: Next Generation, which I never watched. Uh, he was also in Breaking Bad. Uh, he's been in a lot of stuff, but he plays he plays one of the characters, Chaos, and so he helped to kind of produce this documentary and certainly narrated it and walked around. And it's, it's, it's amazing to see a group of people come together. But anyway, yes, Lauren Faust. Now she is the creator. She's of... the creator. She was the head writer through the first season and through part of the second season. But then she left for reasons that are unsure as of now. Um, Cause there, no one, she doesn't want to like tell people what, what happened well and i guess we should say then to lauren and vince and eddie uh this is a positive and groovy podcast 
This is not the Diane Sawyer where <laughs> we're going to hit people up with question after question after question. So if there are things that people don't want to talk about, there's no need. This is the intent is to have a fun conversation with people and hang out and chat with them for a little bit. Uh, not even talking about trans issues, but for me, I'd love to talk about <clears throat> about storytelling and and sort of the process of of how this reboot came about. So Lauren, you know, again, email dig at typingmonkeys.com. <laughs> uh, and we're not going to talk about why you left. We're going to talk about sort of the cool stuff and the, the stuff you've been doing since and the stuff you're doing before. Because she did Foster's, right? She was involved in oh, Yeah, she did. She wrote a bunch of episodes, yeah. If Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends was a show that uh, Dante and his brother Michael and I watched uh, for its entire run as as they were growing up. So yeah. so awesome. So Lauren Faust. Yep. Dynamite. She's going to be a Dynamite guest uh, next. And then my uh, second uh, dream guest is a fan musician in the Brony fandom uh, that goes by the name Forrest Rain, who is actually transgendered. Um she lives... Well, actually, transgender, right? Oh, yeah. We want to clarify yeah. no, I, that I... I'm the one who's using the <laughs> archaic version. I'm using the ED. Yeah. So Forest Rain is transgender, unless yeah. Forest Rain wants to use the ED at the end and yeah, start a new sure. movement with, with me to be like ye, ye old transgendered person. Uh, okay, that joke just did not work. Dante just stared at me blankly. Yeah. I'm not even going to try to explain it. Anyway, <laughs> Forest Rain uh, lives up in Canada, and as of now, I know she is legally considered female. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. I don't know I don't know what how she's gone through the process or anything. I just know that that is something, and she came out. She came out a few months ago. Somehow, I assumed it for the past year or so well this is interesting uh in that when i came out to dante and i think we talked about this last time a little bit uh the next day dante at the time was working at a movie theater and i was driving him to the movie theater and it had been an emotional day the day before and so i i think i was having a problem with my phone or something and so i asked if you wanted to pick the music. And Dante gets a this smirk on his face and plugs the phone in, his iPhone, into the car and plays this piece of music. And what's the, what's it called? It's Great to be Different. Great to be Different, which is by Forrest Rain. And it is this wonderful story. And I guess I understand why you think that she was transgender at that point, or at least openly transgender, because it's a it's about embracing who you are and the trials and tribulations of trying to be who you are and finding that person in your life who is there for you and embraces you and tells you you're better for being different and that that's what makes you unique. And and it's this wonderful, wonderful song. And it's actually posted somewhere on the blog. I, I think I talk about oh, this yeah. at, at some point. But it's a wonderful song. And so we're playing it. And, you know, in the beginning, it's like pony, pony, pony. Yeah, whatever. Pony, 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 pony. And then we get to this verse and and the chorus. And I suddenly realize what the song is about. And I turn over and I look at Dante and he's smiling at me. It, you know, like, yeah, hey, I got your back. And... I we get to a red light and I turn to him and I go, would you please pause this? And Dante gives me this look of shock. Like, what is your problem? This is this is good. This is me telling you that, you know, like 
I'm with you on this. And, and, and I get it. I get it. And I'm like, uh, dude, I have to drive another 10 minutes. Like I'm going to start bawling my eyes out and we're not going to get you to work. So it's, it's a wonderful piece of music. I would love to have Forest Rain on, uh, just to be able to talk about her journey and, and her creativity and certainly talk about my little pony and bronies and, and things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I think those are two terrific choices. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think, um, I think that, that moves us up to, up to four, uh, Maybe maybe we should just bring this up to an even even five. Well, yeah, I, okay, it's not an even five; it's an odd five. Dante Dante is uh, is what a math uh, is a math wizard. What's it? What's it? The math Olympics? What's a mathlete? Mathlete, yeah, mathlete. So Dante's the equivalent of a mathlete. Are you actually a mathlete? Yeah, or not? You are actually a mathlete. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is awesome. So yes, so yes, when you when you do a podcast with a mathlete, you can't uh, you can't call odd numbers. Even, uh, but anyway, I would add um, I would add Brian Fuller to the mix. Uh, he is the uh, creator of Pushing Daisies, Ooh. which is one of my favorite shows. Yeah, and he is the creator and showrunner and lead writer on Hannibal, which I think is possibly the best show on television. Yeah, and, and season three starts up pretty soon. Uh, I think I have watched the first couple of episodes probably 10 to 15 times showing this with people i think we're probably going to watch it again uh it, well because your brother michael comes home uh it, in a couple of days yeah and he hasn't seen it or he's only seen a couple episodes so yeah i think maybe we have to binge watch two seasons 26 episodes uh for season three yeah so yeah i think i think brian fuller uh i'm gonna put him at number five i think we're gonna put him at number five and I think we're going to keep adding the number. Maybe, maybe I can add this to the website. Oh, yeah. I think maybe that's the way to go. And we're going to keep expanding this. This is not in a specific order because I frankly have a list of 20 people. Uh, and I, but I don't want to bore people by just kind of running through a series of names. And, and, but, but look, if, if anyone happens to know our top five, uh, certainly uh, give them a shout. Uh, share the email address. That email address yeah. again is dig at typingmonkeys.com. Uh, I think that's I think that's a pretty good uh, mailbag segment. Yeah. So I think I, what I'd like to do this is something that we we tried to cover last week but we ran out of time uh, is the nature of coming out and I think that is the approach that both of us both of us took. You know. So as usual, let me go first. <laughs> I. I, I when I had my epiphany, when I accepted who I was, who I am, and I realized that I was going to start on a journey that wasn't just weekends anymore. It was it was going to be a little bit public that I I needed to start telling people uh, I, I didn't it didn't feel right to me to go dark for a couple of months like some people will do and again i I, this is my story i'm not saying that other people should do what i do and i'm not critiquing anyone else's journey because this is a tough journey and everyone needs to do it their own way but for me it didn't feel right to hide and then send an email to people and say hey i'm taking a new name and you know ta-da and accept me for the new who person i am it's always felt like this is who I am. It's just a part of me that I haven't shown people that I've kept hidden. 
So I was trying to figure out, well, how do I how do I come out to people? You know, and and I, I think it's something we've talked about previously that when you start coming out to people when you're 49, they assume either you're dying of cancer or you're gay. And and so I tried to figure out how to position this in it. And, and let's face it, I'm a storyteller. And so I had to tell a story. And the closest thing that I could sort of come up with that made sense in my own head. And I think, I don't know, we'll probably want to end up talking to people who I came out to and ask if if they were just waiting for me to get to the point or whether this was a neat way for them to understand. But I said, look, I, I've grown up with two secrets in my life. And you all on the podcast know my second secret. But my first secret, it was something that I hid for 25 years, and it's that I stutter. You know, I grew up, uh, and I think in fourth grade uh, is when my stutter started. And, you know, when you're in grade school and you stutter, kids are not kind to you, especially when you stutter on your own name. So my nickname became Joel. And it was not a fun time. It was not a fun time because there's nothing you can do when your handicap is speaking. You can't holler at people, you know, and you can't do much when you're not really a big kid. The, the one thing I had going for me is I was a smart kid. And so after a couple of years of this, I... I put two and two together that maybe I should figure out what words and what sounds I stutter on and come up with a new vocabulary so that I don't have to use those words. And whenever I feel myself, my throat constrict and that I might stutter, I then shift to another word. So probably in seventh grade, is when people thought my stutter had gone away. And it hadn't. I'd just hidden it because I was just tired of being teased. And I didn't realize that this was probably not a good thing to hide it, but it was the only thing that I knew how to do. And so as a result, I ran every single sentence that came out of my mouth, ran through my brain first before it came out of my mouth because I was always looking for danger words. Danger, Will Robinson, danger. That's a word that you might not be able to say. Be careful, pause, shift to a different word. And that's how I live my life. This I, Literally for 25 years, every single sentence I said, I rehearsed in my head. And I rehearsed conversations the night before. Driving to work, I would rehearse conversations that I was gonna have with people and figure out, well, okay, avoid that and don't say that and phrase it this way. And I, I worked at AOL for a long time. And AOL was famous, and maybe other companies are famous for this as well, but AOL is really where I ran into this. You have meetings, you have enormous meetings with 30 people around giant conference tables. And the first 10 minutes is devoted to people introducing themselves with their first name, a word that I would at times stutter. But by that point, I was known as Didge, so it wasn't a big deal. And so they start at some random point. Someone starts and then it starts going clockwise or counterclockwise and you start to count down 23, 
22, 10, 9, and you get this anxiety just running through your body because you don't want to stutter in front of a room full of people, especially when you've been laughed at as a kid. So again, this was something that I dealt with. It just I thought this was normal life. I thought this is what, you know, other people went through it. So whatevs. So fast forward to your brother, Dante's brother, Michael, being probably four years old, starting to talk, and he starts to stutter badly, badly. And I am devastated. I am devastated because it's, this is from me. These are my genes, right? This is my DNA. I've just committed this child to a lifetime of teasing and and anxiety when talking and and you know again when you when something hits you you just kind of like okay well this is the way life is and you you've learned to accept it and you're past probably the worst phase of it but god when your kid is going to run into something like that and you feel like it's your fault it was oh my god i was crushed so we took him to a speech pathologist and <laughs> And her first question is, so is there a family history of stuttering? And I'd never admitted this to people. And I raised my hand. I'm like, well, that would be me. And she's like, well, you know, what's it like? And I'm like, well, I hide it. And she said, well, okay, you know, that's not the way to go about it. We're going to deal with you later. We're going to take care of Michael. And so we would do games with Michael. We'd get a straw and take the covering of the straw off, crumple it up. And then he would blow the piece of paper across with the straw, and this was to build muscles in his mouth and sort of gain fluency. Fluency meaning the ability to talk however you want. And within probably a couple of months, his stutter completely disappeared. He didn't even know it was a thing, and then it went away. And if you ask him about it today, he has no memory of this, which is fantastic. So then it became my turn. And she told me... <laughs> that there are tricks to hide your stuttering. And I said, ooh, 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 tell me the tricks, teach me the tricks. And she's like, no, you need to confront this head on. You need to face your fears. And it was a three-step process. And it was among the most terrifying things I've ever had to do in my life. And this is what I set up as a pattern as coming out as transgendered to other people. And step one, I had an office at AOL, was to put a poster up on the wall, which was famous people who stuttered throughout history. And Winston Churchill, Marilyn Monroe, Moses, uh, Aristotle, I think, or played, I don't remember. Uh, it, and so I stuck it up, and I'm terrified. I'm terrified, because people would be like, hey, what's up with the poster? And no one noticed. But I guess it built confidence for me because it was in the ether. Suddenly, I, it wasn't completely hidden. And then step two was I had to start telling people, which certainly I had to do when I came out to people as transgendered. I had to start telling people that I've, I have a secret. You know, it's my biggest fear. And if you own your fear, you can control it. So I would tell people, I have something to tell you. No, not gay, not dying of cancer. I stutter. <laughs> and when you're in your whatever early 30s, whatever age I was at the time, I, 
when you come out to people like that, they don't laugh at you. They go, oh my God, really? I've never heard you stutter. And you're like, okay, well, that's cool. I still had the fear that I might stutter, but it's great that you didn't think I stuttered. And then their next question, almost every single time, what words do you stutter on? I'm like, really? Really, I just came out to you and tell you that I stutter and that I don't like to stutter. And so you're like, stutter for me. Be my monkey. Please stutter for me. And <laughs> one of the words that I stuttered on was editor, which was my job title for a while. So what I would do is I would tell people, oh, yes, there is a word I stutter on. It's E-D-I-T-O-R. And I would make them say it and put the pressure on them. And sometimes they would stutter saying the word back to me. So that was step two. Step three was I was avoiding words, right? So I've now, it's out in the ether. I've told people the fear has come down, but I'm still avoiding words that I might stutter on. Editor. I can't tell people what words I stutter on. So every single time I avoided a word in a sentence, I needed to use the word in the next sentence. And I'm a writer, <laughs> so some of those next sentences got pretty long as I circled back and forth, avoiding and re-avoiding and re-avoiding until I finally would say the word. And what it meant was don't create fear around stuttering and don't create fear around specific words. And it's still something that I do to this day that anytime, whatever, whatever sort of meeting I'm in, no matter what, if I'm in with a CEO or if I'm in with other people who kind of make me a little nervous and I start to avoid, even in those situations, I have to come back and say those words. And it was, it was hard. It was really hard, but it, changed my life because I have mostly full fluency. As people can tell listening to this podcast, I don't shut up. <laughs> and I, for the most part, say everything that I want to say. I really don't have a filter anymore. And certainly coming out as transgendered, which was my second secret, I really have no filter anymore. But I use this as the context for sharing my second secret. So this was a secret I had for 25 years. And I have another secret, which I've had for 40 years, and that's that I'm I'm transgendered. So telling people with step two, step one, the poster on the wall is that I started to wear, I've always had long hair. And so I've always had, I've, it's always been tied up. And so I would get the hair bands and I would put the hair bands around the wrist, black hair band, and, and no one re would really notice it. And I guess I was in New York City and I was at a Dwayne Reed, which is like a CVS or a Rite Aid. And I saw hair ties, which was basically a hair band, but it was more of a ribbon. It was elastic ribbon and it was tied. So I had a little knot at the end. And I saw one in like black and brown. So I think I got that. But I saw ones that are in different colors, not traditionally masculine colors, like a purple or a magenta or a pink or an orange, or a green, or, or leopard pattern. And so I bought that, and I, I couldn't wear them in my hair for a while, but I could put them on my wrist. And that became 
at first, my first step to dressing in some small way in a feminine way. And I know when people look at it, they don't necessarily think that way. But for me, this was something I'd never done before. And it sort of evolved into my style. It's something that I like. I continue to do it to this day. And, you know, not a lot of people do it, but I, I do like it. But this became my sign of strength, that whenever I started to get nervous, I would stare at it and I'd gain strength from it. And I learned that in the face of of elongated stares and things like that, it became a sign of defiance for me, that this is that this is who I am. Uh, and now it's become my style. It's like it's sort of the beginning of, of my girl style. And it's the first thing that was truly me. It was truly the first time that I was able to express myself. Um, so that was really the context of me coming out was to try to put people's heads in the right place. Instead of just going, ta-da, transgendered, hello, accept me. I wanted to sort of explain that this is about secrets, that this is about who we are over an extended period of time. It wasn't a midlife crisis, right? It's not like this or a motorcycle sort of thing. That This is something I've lived with and I have thought about every single day of my life. I mean, you know, since the reading Conan comic books in the thrift shop basement. Uh, so that's sort of how I, how, that's that was my plan. And, and it, it's worked pretty well for me, but I'm curious. And now I will let Dante talk a little <laughs> bit more. I'll make Dan happy. Uh, did you have a plan of how to come out to people? I, I never really developed a plan specifically for coming out. But uh, thinking back, I had a pattern, like something that I, I did most of the time when I came out. Can, actually, let me jump in here. So I started coming out to people, I want to say about six to seven months ago. How long ago did you, what, about four four months ago? Um, I first came out, that'd be five months ago. Five months ago. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And what made you decide that you wanted to start coming out to people? Um, well, I... I figured that my girlfriend should know, um, and that was opening up the box from there. That was opening up the box. Yep. No, I, I know that. I know that. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, um, so what? How did you? Did you come up with? This is how I'm going to start sharing it with people. Well, like I said, it was it was just something that I I really had trouble thinking of things ahead of time because whenever I did, I'd overthink it and then I'd get scared and then I wouldn't do it. So, Well, I, it, look, genetically, we don't overthink stuff in the right. family at all. Never, ever happens. So, you know. But from the experience of everything, I, I really just had to jump into it and force myself through and not let myself stop. So what i tended to do would be explain to them before coming out that i was still figuring things out that i wasn't entirely sure with what i was doing where i was going and that um the terms were still kind of mixed up in my head so i wasn't entirely sure what term to use and i'd say all that before i came out so they'd start to wonder what i was talking about and then i'd say i'm gender fluid and and some people would go, I don't know what that means. Some people would go, oh, okay. And but and still not know what it means. <laughs> well, yeah. 
Um, but I I would explain it the way that I have the feeling different genders on different days. And it's not a perfect fit, but it's it's the closest thing I found. And I always tell people that it's the closest thing I found. It, well, I love it. I, I mean, I love it. I, I get it. I get gender fluid. It. I know there's another term, gender queer. And and I understand that that's a, a lot of people like the the term. And and I think a lot of this is about finding stuff that makes people comfortable, makes makes ourselves comfortable. But to me, gender fluid. It. I get it. I can see it visually. I can see the water going back and forth. In, you know, and it 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 makes sense that this is this is an ongoing process and it's a fluid process. So when you said gender fluid to me, it it made absolute sense to me. So I I I love it as a word and and I don't again, I'm not totally up to speed on on what the current language is, but again, these terms came about 20 25 years ago so i think <laughs> that the language is fluid sorry that was me laughing at the wonderful witty comment i had coming up <laughs> um yeah yeah that's how i roll well i think this is a this is a good place to to stop this time around uh let's i guess we should thank melody loops again uh for that really bizarre piece of music what what was it called again that's one more try by mike noah one more try by mike noah now we're probably going to run out of mike noah tunes pretty soon yeah you know i was thinking actually that you know at some point we'd love to get a sponsor yeah i think melody loops may end up being our first sponsor here i mean god we're giving them enough <laughs> you know free coverage already so anyone, you know, anyone from Melody Loops listening, you know, let's talk. Let's talk. Uh, <laughs> I'd also like to, again, thank the listeners. Uh, this has been uh, this has been a lot of fun. This is, you know, again, this is our third podcast. And we've been getting a lot of a lot of terrific feedback from people. Uh, you know, people are downloading it. Um, oh, I, I don't think I said earlier it's on iTunes. Did I say that? I don't think you did. I don't think I said that. Uh, yeah. So the podcast is now on iTunes. Uh, and one of the things I learned, T-I-L, today I learned, is that there are different iTunes stores. So there is a U.S. iTunes store, which we've been getting a lot of terrific ratings on it. No reviews yet. And so a couple friends of mine are like, hey, I left reviews and I can't believe that they didn't show up yet. Well, it turns out they're from London. And the U.K. has their own store. Actually, Great Britain, GB. Uh, Great Britain has their own store. And it's a different set of ratings and it's a different set of reviews. Oh, wow. So if you go to the to the web version of the iTunes store for So There's That, Adventures in Transgendering, the podcast, uh, you'll see US in the URL. And that's the US store. But if you change that US to GB, you'll see that we actually have two pretty groovy reviews in the iTunes store. So learn something new every day. Uh, again, as I've said, check, uh, check out the blog. Uh, people seem to be enjoying it at adventuresandtransgendering.com. Our Facebook page is linked to from there in the right column, the right rail. You can go to Facebook and you can search for So There's That, Adventures in Transgendering, and our page should come up. I still have not come up with a good URL, but Dante's brother is is coming back soon and uh, and uh, coming home soon, and so hopefully he can help us figure out 
what URL we should use that doesn't have hyphens in it. Yeah. that's. I think that's kind of the hope. Uh, so anyway, please like us on Facebook. Uh, we've been starting to get some movement there. And uh, if you have any comments or questions, uh, as I've said already about 10 times, email us at dig at typingmonkeys.com. Dante, you're going to play us out. Yep. <laughs>